Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. everybody. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. Hi, Meg. Hi, Deb. We have a, well, we have two special guests today. I know we do. First of all, this is episode number 90. 90. 90. Wow. Yeah. That is great. That's yeah. 90. That's like, we, we, all the time we do talking before and after, right. it's like 180 hours. <laughs> talk way more than 90, 90 yeah we episodes. do we do we do so um, yeah but a lot to say we have a lot to say yeah uh, both in front of the mic mm-hmm. and behind and a lot that we yeah. haven't said yet yeah <laughs> so debbie we do have two guests here so first of all tell us about the very very adorable hairy guest that okay. is sitting on your lap. <laughs> so cute all right well I, I i i waited to tell the story so that you know we could invite our audience to hear so we were at a party on Sunday and it was about nine o'clock when I showed up because I had a little singing gig before that so I showed up lots of people there partying down fun it was fun Um, and about 10 this little guy just comes in the front door he's a little terrier little dog little mixed dog I thought you you meant some short guy or something yeah yeah yeah. some short guy (laughs) came in a little puppy a little a little a little boy dog came in huh just walked in the front door. He just came in the front door. Wow. Well, there's there's theories on whether or not there were kids out there who found the dog. And, and brought him in. But anyway, he made his way he in. He made his way in. And he made his way around the whole party, and everybody fell in love with him. And at some point in the night, he ended up on my lap, <laughs> and he never left. Oh. <laughs> and so... Um, and, and to my defense, because I don't want to steal somebody's dog. Yeah. Absolutely, I would never do that, especially if it's some little kid's dog, you know. Um, but me and an, one of the other people at the party, we decide, well, let's, let's open the door and let's see where he goes and maybe he'll go home. Right. Right? right. So, so we went outside and we walked and we let this dog and he was sniffing and doing his thing and he's not fixed, by the way. He's got, he's a very small little dog with gigantic little, not, they're not little. Man parts. Man parts. <laughs> in relationship to how big the little dog is. <laughs> so, so this little dog kind of went over to a side street and kind of disappeared into the dark. And the, the lady I was with, we both thought, well, maybe he just got out and he went home. So, I mean, there was a little bit of sadness in me, but it was like, I would rather have him go home. Right. You know. So, I don't know, an hour later maybe, or half hour later or something, we're trying to go. To go. It, it's, now it's almost one in the morning. Wow. And I said, well, maybe John and I will just, I'll just drive down that 
dark street and just if, and if i see him then it'll be a sign then i you know and i swear to you the minute i said that i turned around and he was at the front screen door oh my gosh of the house he, he made his he, he made, made his back? way back oh. to the house oh my goodness you came back yeah it looks like toto yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i think he looks like he lives in whoville <laughs> does <laughs> so I took him home and uh, he, him and my other little Lola they're they're starting to be okay I mean I've only had him it's barely been a day mm. it's been a day and then you know last night so I have two cats though that they're not they're that's gonna be the the thing if, yeah. if I'll be able to hang on to him is if he can acclimate with my cats but he's so cute. So I, I have tried to, I'm doing something wrong. So one of my office gals is going to help me um, post on the yeah. pet finder. On Facebook pet finder. Yeah. Things. Yeah. yeah. So that's our first guest today. <laughs> no name. Doesn't have a name yet. We don't but. have a name for him. I mean, I keep thinking like, because Lola is a L, like Larry and Lola, <laughs> Lucas and Lola. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny and Lenny and Lola, I know, Lenny and Squiggy. <laughs> that looks like a Squiggy. Yeah, that looks like a Squiggy. He yeah. looks like yeah. Squiggy. Yeah. Squiggy and Lola. Yeah, there you I go. know. That's that works. Huh. Uh-huh. The terrier. You're oh, so good. So He's and but he really, really is relaxed. He doesn't have. You know how like the Chihuahua energy is like. Uh, that, that he doesn't hand. have that at all. He's he'll sit on my lap. For a long time, his eyes are closed. I heard him bark ever so mm-hmm. quietly at the yeah. cat. But, when I um, I was worried that like he was gonna yelp and bark all night, the first night I brought him home. Nope, not at all. I put him in there with some food and water and a little blanket. Does he like John? Yeah, he Good. does. John likes him. Yeah. Okay. S- sounds like a dumb deal. So, I know well, it. it's just the cats. Yeah, the cat. Because I have two indoor cats that and he's are. He's unchipped. I mean, you did take him in. He's un- Yeah, I did. He's yesterday, I, I yeah. my vet was closed yesterday, so I took him down to the vet at PetSmart. Right. Mm-hmm. And she chipped him and looked at his teeth and thought he's probably about two. Mm. And he doesn't have a collar. He, I mean, he does I, now. He does now. Because his new mommy bought him one. I couldn't resist. I'm in the pet store. He needs a collar. And he's well fed. Yeah, I mean, I. Honestly, and then this morning, when I put this little got the leash out, he knew. It was, so it makes me think somebody he dropped in that neighborhood. Somebody dropped him, oh, or or I don't know. Oh, it's okay. So I don't know. Oh, dogs are just angels. They really are. So, I know they are. Well, speaking of angels, you're Good here. Segue. Introduce us. Yeah. <laughs> this other voice and people are like okay okay enough about the dog who's yeah. the other voice okay, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a dog no you are not and, and my hair looks a little bit better than this well you were a hairdresser for many that's years right, that's right <laughs> 42 years yeah wow. so this is this is um holy cow this is my good friend meg and um meg and i go way back and we met at a church funny Funny, we met at a church, and That's she. Where I met Meg as well. Okay, That's right. Twenty years, twenty-five, yeah. thirty years ago. Who knows? I lost yeah. count. Yeah. Meg's a very, very gifted musician. She plays drums and percussion, and 
Um, she sings in our rock and roll choir. Oh, I love it. And she was a hairdresser at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and then Meg and I kind of bumped into each other <clears throat> in the mental health realm, <laughs> I'll say. Uh-huh. And um, which even actually made us closer mm. because we share a lot of the same kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's my, introdu- my introduction to Meg. She's just a lovely human. And um, we asked her on today because we kind of want to do the next couple episodes talking about mental health. And um, I will say that Meg is a retired Mental health. So, Meg, um, mental health practitioner. Meg, mental health practitioner. I've yeah. never retired from mental health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Oh, it's a constant. <laughs> yeah. Battle, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, Meg kind of did a, a later in life career change. Went back to school, mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that. Meg, tell us um, why and how you decided to to change careers and what let you in, led you into that and all that good stuff? Well, um, first of all, I'm so glad I'm here. Uh, Deb and I go way back. I even know Liz from church too, and her husband played drums, and that's how I met Liz and, and other ways. Um, Deb and I uh, go way back, um, and she, she was a drummer, she's a singer, everybody knows Deb. I, I even did her hair for a little while. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so I was a hairdresser from the time I was 18. Um, I retired at 60. It's, so it's been about seven years since I retired from hair. But at 50, I decided to go back to school to get my uh, marriage family license. Marriage, wait, yeah. MFT, marriage family therapy license. <laughs> um, so I had to start with bachelor's and master's. So it took me about six years. Um, because I decided I needed to retire sitting down. <laughs> My body was getting really tired doing hair. I love doing hair. And I even did hair part-time and part-time therapy. Um, so, let's see. So I decided instead of, we, we have this joke in the hair business, what we do is therapy. <laughs> yes. Right. I know. Uh, but th- there's a lot of... That is not a joke. That I know. is reality. I, know. <laughs> wow. I cut my teeth on doing hair. Uh, switching over to therapy wasn't that big of a shift. No. Uh, I'll just listening to people for 40 years. And, yeah. and, and learning how to be neutral and learning, <laughs> learning how to be observant and, yeah. and listen and slow things down because I noticed that when I had new hair clients that told me too much too soon, I wouldn't see them again. But there's something about standing behind a person in a chair, looking at them in the mirror and have your hands on them that makes them just relax and and relax. Yep. It's it's a different. In fact, there's many times in my therapy practice that I wanted to bring in my chair, my hair, my therapy chair, you know, uh, to help people. Because when you're looking... straight on, one-on-one, it can be a little intimidating, I noticed that. So I'm really grateful for my, my hair. I, How interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. So, and then when you put somebody back in a bowl and you're shampooing their hair, and oh, you get all kinds of information. So, yeah. So And yet I'm, massaging a client uh, in your therapy room is probably inappropriate. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, so trying to find that sweet spot. That sweet spot of not crossing any boundaries. Right. And not yet crossing still any boundaries. Them yes. Right. Yeah. That was probably it's a good thing you brought up because that's that's probably one of the the most difficult, challenging things I had to learn 
was the difference. Mm-hmm. And, and then coming into therapy as a therapist, after having 12 years of therapy myself, I've had five therapists. I'm, I'm still in therapy. I will always be in therapy because it's helpful. And that's another, that's probably another podcast, but I don't know. We well, might get there. I mean, honestly, I, 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 I imagine this as being a couple episodes. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot to digest when yeah. we have this topic, and mm-hmm. in two episodes we can't get to it all. So. No, but you, your episode, or your your podcast asks so many good questions. In fact, when I listen to your podcast, I'm I'm answering. I'm talking to you guys. Oh, it's so God com- bless you. I love it. I love it. It's so natural. We wish you, we could hear you answer. <laughs> I have any answers, but, but you you're know. a therapist, so. so I've been on the other side. Right? I know, right, yeah. right, right. I had no idea. In fact, that's interesting. I had no idea what it felt like to be on the other side of being a hairdresser. In other words, I always cut my hair. I always colored my hair. I always did all my my hair myself. So I didn't I didn't know what it felt like to need somebody to do your hair. And uh, so that was a real eye-opener when I, I realized that because I had a client that was really urgent to get in and I couldn't get her in and she just started crying. And this is a hair client. So just so you know, if I talk about clients, I'm going to say this is a hair client. This is not a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> that's the other thing, anonymous. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. So does that answer that question? I got Yeah, I got it, it absolutely does. And But were you drawn to that? field because of your experience in therapy and how you saw the benefits and how it was helping you? Good question. Um, so I was a, uh, I was going back to school from the age 27 and I just kept taking night classes and I went to psychology. I loved psychology. So I just kept taking those just because I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so I just kept going. Um, at City College. I just kept taking these classes. And then um, my mother got ill and I joined this church and I wanted to get into music and so I just took an eight-year break from uh, from going to school. Um, and in that time um, the church was looking for somebody to lead Celebrate Recovery which is a 12-step Christian-based uh, program for um, hang-ups, habits, Hurts, hurts habits and hangups something like yeah that. yeah, yeah. Hurts, habits and hangups yeah. <laughs> and, and so because I, oh baby i know <laughs> <laughs> well we have a lot to talk about that. Well, and so um because i was uh, at that time i think i was about 18 years sober maybe 20 years sober i can't remember um i quit drinking in 1988 let's just say that I might have done other things besides <laughs> drinking after that but at least i wasn't drinking yeah that was good because i used to drive drunk so, and I'd black out and all that. So, um, I definitely qualify for what they did, they call an alcoholic. I have a different view of that now, but it, it's all good. AA is a beautiful program. Celebrate Recovery um, through a church would dr- make your higher power into Jesus Christ if that was something that you were drawn to. And so that, those doors were open. What I found was I had to sit with a lot of people that had a lot of issues as a director, and I had to refer them out. Yeah. And that's also an important thing to understand. So I wanted to be that person that I referred them to. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get out of the, I'm going to say, I wanted to get out of the church voluntary yes. staff, yes. involuntary staff. I wanted to get out of that. So yes. um, I turned it over to somebody that um, is, has done a wonderful job since. Um, so that's why I went back to school. Okay. Because I wanted to change that. So, okay. Yeah. And how long were you a practicing uh therapist before you then retired 
11 years. Okay. So you said marriage family therapy. Marriage family therapy. And so did you deal with mostly adults or a lot of uh, some children, families, couples? So, oh, yeah, all of it. In all fact, um, I worked at a, a nonprofit faith-based agency those 11 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're getting your hours, you got to get 3,000 hours, mm -hmm. you have to work with everybody. So, yes, um, children... And we, we, we worked with a community of people that worked internationally. Mm -hmm. So we worked with a lot of international people, mission people. Right. Um, so I worked the first five years with the children of these families. Oh, okay. And the parents. Okay. So I did that and community as well. So we did both. Okay. Um, yeah. And then after the five years, then you get new interns coming in and they take that over. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's... And couples, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Did you enjoy your time doing that? Oh yeah, um, very, very satisfying mm -hmm. um, and challenging all at the same time. I'm sure time. it was. The challenge um, uh, was probably the hardest thing. The, the biggest challenge for me was to, of course, understand. <laughs> I'm not. How can I say that? I need to be. Uh, what's the word? Anonymous. Mm -hmm not their friend. Yeah, right. I was just going to kind of go there and ask that question because as an artist mm -hmm. and as a hairdresser, right. those are both two areas where you become intimately involved with the people with whom you work. Right. And it, it, having relationship with people is super important as an artist and as a hairdresser. Right. You know? right. And so how were you able to, 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 to compartmentalize and right. to not become attached. Well, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was brought to my attention by my supervisor. Okay. So I had uh, a few supervisors. I had one there, and I also had one with the actual model of therapy that I was um, getting certified for. So in, in the therapy world, you can specialize. Yeah. And if you specialize, then that opens up a, a niche, niche, yeah. is that the word, mm -hmm. where you can um, help a certain uh, type of a client, type of a client mm -hmm. who's looking for that model, yeah. looking yeah. for that kind of help. Um, so to answer your question, I just had to learn when I was crossing the line. Right. And how I learned that was from an internal uh, process okay. and my supervisors. Gotcha. Yeah. So did you work in this Christian um, environment the whole time you were doing therapy? Right, uh, faith-based. Faith-based. Right. And so all of your clients then were also, of this, you know, had a faith. Not all of them. Did they not? Not all of them, oh, because okay. when, I, when I specialized in this particular model of therapy called Internal Family Systems, mm -hmm. IFS, that put me in another uh, roster, another directory. Okay. Yeah, I see that. And that directory, if you're trained, then you go into this directory. If and then if you get certified, which is another whole step of hoops, another right. level of hoops to jump through, right. um, then you become uh, certified, and that's what people are looking for in this particular kind of therapy. Gotcha. It's a global, it's it's an evidence-based therapy, and it's very, very uh, mindfulness, the whole body. I just love it. And the one thing that it requires is that the therapist do her or his work. And that's that's not... You know, that's not something that you hear coming out of grad school too much. No. They want you to. I love that. But, but it, when you have to learn this kind of therapy, your supervisors from trainers will push it. Like, no, you, you've got to know. It's parts therapy. And mm -hmm. Deb knows a lot about parts mm -hmm. therapy. I do. That's 
that's how you how know. You meant how uh -huh. you meant. Like we know about parts. <laughs> yeah. So what does that mean? What mm. is parts therapy? Tell me about that. Parts therapy is uh, based on a theory, and I say theory, but I, I, it's just how we're built. That's how we're we're multiple. We're, we are all multiples. Mm -hmm. We have multiplic multiplicity of mind. Yeah. We're not in a mono mind. Two things can happen at the same time. For instance, I can be a good parent, and my child can have a tantrum. Right. Those two things can happen at the same time. Right. Amen. I, yeah. <laughs> I can, uh, you know, yeah. but, and we don't have to uh, attach meaning to something that uh, might not be correct. Yeah. Um, I have parts that didn't want to get up this morning, and I had a part so excited to come here. I have a part that when I see Deb, it's a little part, my little, mm -hmm. that she gets, this part of me gets real playful, mm -hmm. and I can feel that energy. So, um, yeah, so we are made multiple and that's how we adapt to our environment. So getting to know the parts is the part is a real big um, part of the healing facet mm -hmm. of this kind of therapy is getting to know your parts, because your parts, different parts of you, can be burdened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other theory um, is that um, there's this non-part called the self, with a capital S, that is just under the burdened parts. Just like the sun and the clouds, the clouds cover the sun, but that doesn't mean the sun goes away. But those burden parts can obscure that resource. And once you get to know these parts and their wounds and their burdens, and you help them unburden, and that's another long story, mm -hmm. how that happens. But once they start to part, then this self can emerge. Now that's different than what Deb and I learned in the therapy that her and I shared. Um, but would but you agree? I would absolutely agree. It's yeah. it's similar. It's similar. There's it, a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities, yeah. yeah. But the difference is that right there, because the therapist her and I saw didn't really believe there was that. She thought that we had to develop mm -hmm. an adult. Yeah. But this model of therapy suggests that there is that's already there, that we're made in the image of God, mm -hmm. and that that image is... Art. stamped on every single person yeah Notice. and every single person has access to to discovering that mm -hmm. if if they're willing and mm -hmm. you know I'll say mindful enough to want to do the work to right. discover that yeah mm -hmm. so the self has um, I'm, I wrote it I put it down here is so the self energy has eight um, characteristics um, so this man named Dick Schwartz, he developed this and he came across it, he came across it um, very, um, like a, a, how can I say this, a, a beginner, beginner mind. Uh, he is a psychologist um, and he's been at this for 40 years. Okay. So he was working with families and, and uh, spec, uh, food, food disorders and what he realized is parts of these clients would tell him what it was like to purge or to starve, or to binge, and then there's this cycle, and then I'd feel guilty, and that critic would come in, and then I would binge some more, and mm -hmm. I felt shame. And so then, when he was doing family therapy, the way that he conducted it was that if he was with a family, and he was trying to get a daughter and a mother to talk, and it was going well, then all of a sudden it would go sideways. He'd look around the room and he'd see the dad, maybe, giving some sort of eye contact and giving her some nonverbal cues. So he would ask the dad to step back. Can you pull your chair back? And then he'd let the dad, the mother and the daughter continue talking and it would go well. Wow. 
So he wondered, I wonder, and I'm, I'm generalizing and simplifying this, but, but that's okay. But he would, he's wondering if this is true for the individual client. So he asked um, the parts that were critics or the parts that were uh, wanting to starve, binge, or purge, if they could just step back in the person's system. And when he would do that, this other non-part would emerge. This part, mm -hmm. this, uh, it had compassion, curiosity, clarity, creativity, calm, confidence, courage, and connectedness, and there's more, two more, eight of them. So he noticed that there are certain there are certain kinds of characteristics that came with the self-energy. And even the most um, abused, neglected, abandoned person, the most, most damaged persons, had it too. So it was a matter of getting to know the wounds of the parts that maybe held memories. Right. And going back and retrieving and redoing. And yeah, so it's a, it's a beautiful way to heal. And it's different because it's not just managing symptoms, it's actually healing. So, right. one, of, one of my favorite kind of um, ways to look at other people is just to say, you know, once you know their story, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't hate them. Right. You know, you can't hate a person once you know their story. That's right. And um, you, it, it, you come really close, you can come closer and closer to understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's all these cliches, hurt people, hurt people, you know, hurting people, hurt people, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so it's very easy and human mm -hmm. for us to take things very personally. Sure. But the but to understand that their parts are mm -hmm. as broken as our parts mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier to um, to come to a place of understanding and even ultimately forgiveness. Right. In fact, I think Brene Brown says when you tell your your shame story in a safe place, mm -hmm. you can heal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is. It can be difficult to find a safe place because mm -hmm. so many of us want to do one of two things. We either want to judge or we want to fix. And neither one of those things are helpful when somebody's telling their story. Because you can't go back and change anything, so fixing it is... Right, and that's, that's a challenge of being a therapist. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that parts of me wanted to fix and rescue, and, and those parts of me um, were what we call trailheads. Okay. So I would follow that urge, and, um, and I would, you know, there's a way to do it, and... and uh, I would feel it. So it, we're, you know, we're spiritual, we're mental, we're emotional, we're physical. So making sure that's all. We're not just walking heads, mm -hmm. walking, mm -hmm. talking heads. Right. Yeah. So um, I say a lot about that, but um, especially church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you, you know that we're all about talking about all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't all Christians that I saw. It was, I, I did a lot of work with trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a, a, a lot there. So I have a question about trauma. Um, you know, trauma can be one experience, one very awful, terrible experience. Mm -hmm. It can be a multiple, you know, multiple experiences. Um, how do you, first of all, how do you define trauma, uh -huh. A, and B, um, how do uh, we, how do we, uh, teach ourselves to not 
uh, talk down or condemn another person's trauma or say, mm-hmm. oh, you don't know, you don't know no trauma. Girl, mm-hmm. walk in my shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. For, for all people, their trauma can be kind of a different, there can be different levels right. and different types of trauma um, can affect people differently. Right. So right. how do you define trauma and how do we keep ourselves from judging another person's trauma Gosh, or comparing You, you did a great job of d- describing trauma. But trauma, <laughs> trauma is, is what ha- is what, how my body holds it. It's not what happens to me. Oh, okay. Oh. It's, it's what, my, what my system gets, how it's affected. That's what trauma is. You've probably heard of big T, little T, yeah. big trauma, little trauma. Yeah, yeah. And that might mean, that that might uh, refer to, you know, um, the degree of wounding that mm-hmm. came from childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so little T, I, I, I don't like labeling anything. In fact, I have a real hard time with diagnosing um, I understand how diagnosis can help, right. but it can also hinder. Right. Oh, I, yeah. Not only I the client, but the therapist. I agree. Because if I come at it, and, and I'm not going to say this is true across the board, so nothing I say is a general. This is just my experience. But Absolutely. Uh, grad school will teach you what they need to teach you so that you can get licensed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so they, that, you know, they only have 30, uh, 30 uh, units mm-hmm. to to give you, and, and, or, and you have to learn all this stuff, and, and so uh, they, you kind of get the message that you're supposed to have the answers. Mm-hmm. That falls into the medical model, which right. is, you're right. broken, let me fix you. Right, right, right. <clears throat> um, and so that's why I gravitated towards this IFS. My theories professor, he had just, you know, I think, I don't know how many semesters to teach us all the theories that historically you're supposed to know, like Freud, right. like Rogerian, like uh, Gestalt, all those. And then he said, okay, there's one model that I don't get, <laughs> and it's called internal family systems. So that's up to you, and it's parts therapy. Well, I, of course, went, thing like, oh, <laughs> I just had six years of parts therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I just immersed myself in that as well. So. Um, I can't remember what your question was. Oh, trauma. Yeah. Trauma is what, yeah, it's what, how my body holds it. Okay. Yeah. So um, there can be different fragmented systems. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a, like it's a spectrum. Right. So some people are more, more wounded than others and it just depends on their environment and their, and the, who, you know, their temperament. There's all kinds of factors. But people who are uh, really, really, really fragmented, they have um, amnesia, so to speak, between parts. So that you might call that DID. That's I understand all that. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, uh, the therapist, can I say this? Deb and I went to. Yeah, she diagnosed everybody with DID. Yeah. And what's DID? Dissociative identity disorder. Oh, okay. What okay. you what used to be called multiple personality okay. disorder. Okay. Okay. But um, but now it's more. Um, it is more of a spectrum, mm-hmm. and um, I understand why she did. I do too. Totally get it. Yeah. But when I finally learned what DID was, yeah, then I went, "Well, wait a minute." <laughs> you right. Know? And I totally understand what you're talking about as far as uh, diagnosing, because mm-hmm. as a teacher, because I teach theater, mm-hmm. and so I go into classes right. that I'm not the regular teacher. I just go there one hour a week, uh-huh. right? And so the teachers will sometimes say to me, "That child has ADD. That child is nonverbal. That child is." 
um, you're shy. That mm -hmm. yeah. and even so the label, kids label, will say, label, 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 label. Right. And even I'll ask a child their name, and they will say, and you know, they will just hang their head and burst out into tears. And the other children will say, "She's shy." And so this child has been labeled, mm -hmm. and these kids have been labeled. Mm -hmm. And so it is my job, and I, I tend to come by this kind of naturally, mm -hmm. but also as a teacher, I'm also taught a little bit about trying to reach each and every child. Right. You know, the book of Proverbs says, raise a child up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. Mm -hmm. Or, but, and so as a Christian, you're taught, teach them scripture, take them to church, mm -hmm. and they'll learn all about God. Somehow. And they'll but <laughs> what, what I have come to know that that scripture as is train a child according to their bent, yeah. and they will learn. And so as I look at these children, I'm like, oh, no, it, it's okay that she's shy. I still want to know, can you tell me your name? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't, mm -hmm. but my job is to make them feel comfortable so that next week or the week after that or the week after that, they will eventually tell me their name. Mm -hmm. They will eventually, in fact, last yeah. year I had an experience with a little child that burst into tears the very first day, wouldn't even tell me her name, and by the end of the year, she had the lead in the school, in the little play that we put together. And she was, these are kindergarten students. Mm -hmm. And so what that told me is that I was able to create for her, and it wasn't That's just right. me, it was safe, but safe. I was able to create for her a safe space. That's right. And like then, this little dog. And I think a lot of, <laughs> Debbie's good, <laughs> sidetracked with the dog. Um, but I think that that is, our job as humans is to, as to the best of our ability, is to create a safe space right. for people, uh, regardless of, of who they are or what they think or what they believe or right. you know, all that kind of stuff. Right, absolutely. And that was yeah. very intuitive, and that's right. You show compassion. Yeah. <laughs> Too much sometimes. But, but. And, uh, well, and that, that's, well, that can happen, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that might be a burdened part of you. Yes, that starts yes. to get empathy. There's a difference between compassion and empathy. Yeah. It's in two different parts of the brain, in fact. Okay. So compassion has to do with warm regard. Okay. I want I want to help you. Okay. I see your value. I see your worth. Um, empathy is more of I feel your pain. Yep. I suffer with you. Mm -hmm. And you can go down that that hole if if and you can you get you can caught in you yeah, can so caught in it. That's another that was another challenge in Absolutely. this work mm -hmm. is um, if I went down that hole with my client then we're down in a hole and the only instrument, the only thing we have is a shovel, <laughs> you know, and we're just digging deeper and, and deeper. And a box of Kleenex because you're both <laughs> yeah. in tears. And then there's nobody up there to yes. pull anybody up, you know, yeah. so, uh, so that was a real learning I, I can see that as being one of the harder things. I mean, and even, okay, what do you call it? A herath, herapy? Herapy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put that on the singing teacher, you know, <laughs> music. The singing teacher of the singing teacher of the what? Oh, well, music therapy is voice, a real but thing. Teachers. But voice, I, I would recommend I, clients to go to voice. I lessons. am a, That's amazing. I'm a hair therapy singer of the too. Because, yeah. because I there were clients that I would have that, and I'll just be honest about it, I kind of dreaded <laughs> because. I'm not a licensed therapist. I've had enough therapy that I understand a lot of maybe what's happening, um, uh -huh. but not necessarily equipped to know what to do with it in a half-hour singing lesson. Right. And so... Half-hour, yeah. A handful of people would come in 
over the years. I mean, there's probably been 10 or 15 people over the years that just, I would just suck the life out of me. So your empathy was being My overworked. empathy would, was being overworked. Mm-hmm. And I, and I recognized that later on and, and uh, had to kind of mentally prepare mm-hmm. to kind of guard myself, mm-hmm. you know, almost as put on the armor of God. <laughs> but in a way, I had to sort of put on the armor of my mind and soul as to not go down that rabbit hole with the person. And that's a good point. How do you do that? How right? do you do that? Yeah. And so in therapy, that's what we're with this, with this model, you're taught how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, hmm. and when you do, when you would deal with families, how how often would you have like one sibling, you know, kind of look at the other sibling and say, "Get over it," or mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Oh yeah. That's so what, so you what end, you're hoping for. Yeah. So you end up with families mm-hmm. that where everybody's dealing with a, a, a specific incident or trauma mm-hmm. or experience very differently, mm-hmm. and so the challenge in the relationships is not the trauma itself, but how each one of them are dealing with it. And exactly. That's, that's what you just, that's right. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And how you hold it in your body. I've never heard it said that way, but that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, because you can't have an emotion without your body involved. No. So understanding that, yeah. and that, that sometimes is the uh, biggest challenge for people who first come in, is, so where do you feel that in your body? What? Yeah. You know, is it a thought? Is it a sensation? Is it um, outside of your body? Is a it feel like an stomach. energy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and is it okay to stay there with that? And just um, maybe if it's possible to show it some curiosity? Mm-hmm. Genuine curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about curiosity. I think it's really important. So, yeah. generally speaking, just a general. What are some of the differences between men and women as far as the therapy goes? And this is just a general thing, you know. What are some of the challenging things about being a man? Some of the challenging well, things about being a woman. And what's the generally. thing? What's the thing that you said a minute ago about he? You said he, she. What did you say? Mm, I can't remember. Up. No. <laughs> anyway. Well, and, and it, it, he, it, she is a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. <laughs> okay, but that's important. Yeah. Be- because well, and and so, um, excuse me. To answer no. your question, um, first of all, and again, generalization. This is just. General. But this is my experience, and and my colleagues. Most men don't come in as often as women. Okay. That's just how it goes. Do they come because their wife is drug? drug a mom? lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. But there's exceptions. Yeah. And and the 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 seems like the younger ones see therapy as a resource, mm-hmm. not as some sort of, you know, uh, scary label. awful thing. Yeah, some stigma or something. Yeah. Absolutely. I swear, yeah. every person I know under the age of forty is in therapy, well, and they yeah. and they talk about it's their a therapies. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's a, yeah, it's just as as important as a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and and so they're not afraid of it. Uh, yeah. So as far as getting into the, uh, what's the word? The the, the work minutia of therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, when uh, men are a, a lot more open about sexual things. Oh, interesting. That, that's just my experience. Yeah. yeah. But because I was an older therapist at this um, agency, I saw older clients. Oh, interesting. So I saw people that had a history of pain, um, and especially working with the mission field, 
A lot of men had, you know, their mission board would require that they come. Mm -hmm. So um, um, when I first started there, there there was a lot of men, but the pandemic changed everything. Well, and that was my next question, is how did the pandemic, or did the pandemic change things? And everything. Oh, yeah, everything. Um, uh, It it just, people were so urgent to get in. Yeah, our our waiting list just went through the roof. Wow, um, and that was right at the beginning of it in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Just yeah, from wow, the get go, from the get go. Wow. Yeah, um, and it, what was the what was the what was the worry? What was the concern? Just anxiety. Okay. This free floating anxiety. Okay. Uh, they needed a little dog. They needed a dog. <laughs> they needed a little dog on their lap to to fix they it all. They needed their voice to go up. <laughs> <laughs> I should just leave. <laughs> oh, no, don't go. Oh, oh. Don't go. Do, do your cat noise. Or people are like turning down the volume. What was it you used to do? I say all kinds know, of weird. I know, but you used to do, say something, just throw me on the ground. What did you say? I don't know, but oh. I talk to my animals. Hi. Hi. Oh, hello. 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 I don't know. Hello. Oh, no. But I what they needed need was, they needed, you know, they were all, everybody was, um, you know, sheltered in place. Yeah. Right. At first, it was like, oh, no big deal. But then it started getting worse and worse and worse. And and therapist needed, needed therapy. therapy. That's right. Right. I, right. Yeah, it was rough. Because we had to go from face-to-face on Zoom. Right. And now, how do you work that? Right. 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 So when did you retire? I, uh, May 24th this year. Of this year, so yeah. 2023. So uh-huh. so my husband retired April 7th. I retired May 24th. Oh, good for you yeah. guys. Yeah, and we've been playing. And that's one reason why I retired, because he did. Oh, nice. 35 years, 60 hours a week, and he just stopped. Good nice. for him. Good for him. Oh, it's been it's been a ride, because, you know, we... Now you're home together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> duke it out. <laughs> we don't duke. We don't duke. But. And so, um, from the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. March of 2020, when everything shut down, to just a few months ago when you retired, did you see um, kind of a balancing kind of come back, or have we sh- have we changed? Have we shifted? Has our needs, our mental mm-hmm. um, capacity, changed and shifted? Wow, that's a great question, and I'm going to say mine has. Yeah. So. Um, uh, there's there's a, a a word in this model is uh, the word tormentor, T O R dash mentor. So I started to need to do a lot more work with my own internal system so I could be more present for my clients. Oh. Okay. So to answer that question, I can't tell you about them so much, but I can tell you about me, and that's important because if my parts are in the way. And, and I would invite my clients, hey, listen, if you feel like you're not being heard, if you're being pushed, if anything, I want to know about it. And, and they would tell me, okay, that didn't feel good. And I'd say, hold on, just let me check it out. Okay. Um, so and, and so that's, that's what I'm going to say. It's like I was able to, because of pandemic, which was the biggest tormentor, mm-hmm. I got to find the parts of me that needed healing. That allowed me to be more present. And yes, there was a shift in that. Okay. In my clientele. Okay. So see, what what I'm getting from this little piece of this conversation is if you are looking for a therapist, find one who's doing their own work. I mean, so so if you're going to interview, if you're looking for a therapist and, you know, you're the... 
you're hiring them so you can ask them. Find one that you feel confident is doing their own work mm -hmm. because that's going to make them a better therapist. And you can even ask. Mm -hmm. It's your, it's, it, as, a, as a client, mm -hmm. it's your privilege <coughs> to ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And if the therapist doesn't want to answer, then, then that, you know, th take it with a grain of salt. Um, and, and, you know, that and make the decision yeah, if that based feels on right that to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it was so it, that's the exact thought that kind of came into my mind when you were talking about being a hairdresser and that you did your own hair. Because I've always heard, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you go to a hairdresser and if you like their hair, <laughs> don't go to them. Ask them who does their hair. <laughs> So true. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, maybe maybe you got to shift and go someplace else to That's somebody because right. you like that hair. Yeah. And so it's very, it was very interesting. That was kind of a thought that came into my mind when you said you did your own hair. And mm -hmm. that was kind of a, a thought. It was like, oh, this is a person who believes in doing her own work. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's actually a, a good quality. Yeah. 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 I guess if you're a massage therapist, you can't really, you can't really. do your own work. I can massage my own legs, <laughs> but I can't really do but it. But you have to practice your voice. I do. And it isn't just something that you no. quit practicing, right? Absolutely. It's a muscle. It's a muscle mm -hmm. that is losing its <laughs> chops. <laughs> I got I, I got to say that. I got to work harder. Oh, the, days, other night, but, the other night, I, it was beautiful. So I wouldn't say you're losing your chops. But, oh, you're sweet. Yeah. She, came, the, she came to jazz mass. But so oh, that's awesome. Jazz mass. Yeah. I suggest it highly. Um, yeah, so, yeah, voice is a real important, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, being a voice teacher is because singing, I mean, and I have said this on this podcast before, and we're almost out of time right okay. now, but we're going to continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. at, um, but being a voice teacher that it, it's a singing is a very vulnerable uh, art form and singers have to kind of I picture it as taking a zipper from the top of their forehead down to their belly button unzipping it Ooh. yeah and uh, because there's a to really be a communicator as a singer you've got to let yourself have a vulnerable space inside of you. That's a great, yes, what an analogy. Mm -hmm. And then the parts of you that don't want the zipper opened, mm -hmm. so those are the parts you're dealing with. Those are the parts that, yeah. And as a theater teacher, yeah, you're dealing with parts all the time that all the show time. up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. In fact, whenever we would do things at um, in our classes at grad school, whenever we would do um, um, enactments, yeah, we'd have to de-roll yeah. right, every single time. Right. Yeah, which is so important. Yeah. Right. And, you know, an actor, a singer, you have to, Deb, you have to find a person's strength and say, oh, you're, this is your range, you're an mm -hmm. alto, you're a soprano, you're, you know, and kind of steer them. Right. They might want to be a country singer, and you're like, no, 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 I think that you're, you know, right. or a pop singer, and you're like, no, 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 I think you're a, yeah. you know, you fit into this. And again, not labeling people, mm -hmm. but at the same time, helping them find where they're best Yeah, helping at. them find their own their voice. Own through exploration of all different of all different genres and all mm -hmm. different find their range and find their yep. and as they train yep. they become better and better and their range becomes broader and broader yep. um, I find the same thing in theater mm. I have to I can't ask a person to emote a certain way if they are not comfortable doing that so I either give them a safe place or I or I change how I'm directing yeah. them and have them emote <coughs> in a different right. way so or interact yes. a little bit Right, and, and 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 as the work that I was doing, um, I would help them see what part was blended with them all the time, right. what part was protecting, and what was it protecting, and and why. And we get curious, 
and turn, turn, do U-turns yeah. and go inside. Yeah. So I, I want to close this portion of this by saying that uh, I have hanging in my house a piece of art, <laughs> and it's my most favorite, favorite piece of art that I'll ever have. And Meg drew it. Oh, wow. Meg drew oh, it. A part of me. And I'm, I'm still trying to find her. <laughs> okay, because it, it, I'll never forget when I, where I was when I opened it up, when I opened the, it was, it's a pretty big, it's like, what, 16 by 20 or yeah, something? it's pretty big. And I don't, she drew it, she got a vision yeah. of me and the arms of Jesus wrapped around me, and I'm a little girl, and it's hanging by my bed, and I still, I still look at it and and weep. I mean, because you know her. I totally know her. You know her. I'll bring it in. Yeah. You have it's it's so beautiful. That's awesome. So, and I will cherish it. I don't know. Pippi Longstockings. You told me that's yeah. how you would yeah, feel. Yeah, I look like Pip. I feel like Pippi Long. There's a part of me that is Pippi Longstockings. <laughs> yes, yes, that's and, awesome. And it's just that, yeah. yeah so. But Meg, you opened your heart and you opened your mind to seeing a part of Deb. Deb, you were able to, Im to uh, be vulnerable and to share a part mm -hmm. of you with somebody. And so the relationship there, the safety that is between you is really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we all have the opportunity to create safety for somebody in our lives mm -hmm. and have we done that yeah. mm -hmm. you know have we created a safe space for other people yeah. um, oftentimes there was a gentleman outside the office this morning that is unhoused and yeah. you know it's not mentally well mm -hmm. and you know sometimes it can be very difficult to create safe spaces for right. people um, that we are afraid of mm -hmm. or whose um, whose life choices or whose life challenges frighten us mm -hmm. but just creating a little bit of safe space is not that hard and I think if we all but it's a it's a different it's everybody's different, different. everybody's yeah, yeah. different that's right but if yeah. we can just create a little bit of safety for mm -hmm. kind of everybody around us the mm -hmm. world could be a little bit better place mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit just a little bit yeah. well Meg thank you so much for for joining us My pleasure. and I'm going to ask that you come back because we didn't solve the, the world's e problems. The <laughs> eternal question of what, what, how do we fix the world? <laughs> so um, I'm I think, sure we can do that in one more podcast. Okay, <laughs> I think because yeah, because I mean there were questions that I wanted to ask you that we didn't get to today, but we've this this was organic and and I learned a lot about what you do, and I think our listeners will be very interested to hear about parts and. Just maybe, maybe look into that. And so I think and, the word of the yeah. day is just go and explore your parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. So there you go. We will return. Thanks yeah. everybody for listening to Dancing with Skeletons. Thank you, Meg. We love you. Love you and, guys um, too. We'll see you again soon. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Sounds good.